When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, we're back, everybody. We're here. We're at the uh, Draft Vice Studios in Universal Studios, Florida. That's not really a thing. But, uh, well, Universal Studios is. I just am not at Draft Vice Studios. That's not a thing. But in Draft Vice Studios, we are doing a thing, and we're talking about the drafts, and we're talking about today the Houston Texans and Billy O'Brien and the Minnesota Vikings. Mm, mm, mm. But first, we're going to talk about Billy O'Brien and the, and the Houston Texans at the Houston Texans Horror Show. Yep, that's right. Deshaun Watson's got a front row seat to this uh, delightful amalgamation of pretty decent coaching and weird, but maybe a little bit overly blown. Um, let, let me put it this way, right? All right, so I think it's a little overblown all the moves that Bill O'Brien's made, right? Uh, uh, you know, he traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, DeAndre Hopkins is a, is a next-level talent at receiver, right? He is just amazing. Um, but it's possible that you might not value that kind of talent at receiver if you have potential weapons that do other things. I, I don't agree with this method, by the way. I'm just saying, it's not as much of a shit show as people make it sound. Now, it looks like a shit show sometimes, and it, and potentially kind of, like, it's still very questionable decision-making, right? Bill O'Brien, you're probably not supposed to be the GM there. You probably should hire somebody, but nobody wants to come work with you because you don't have any first-round picks for, like, the next millennia. Um, and no second round pick next year either. So, uh, but like, let's move past it, right? We'll go ahead and we'll focus on the individual moves and the draft, right? Because those are important, right? So they trade away DeAndre Hopkins. They get an extra second round pick and they get David Johnson, right? Former star running back of the Arizona Cardinals. And, uh, all right, that's kind of interesting. Depends on what you get out of David Johnson to see how much this deal really works. Because what happens is, is they they had that Cardinals number forty overall pick. They also had their own second round pick, which they traded for Brandon Cooks. Right, uh, his you know they traded uh, for him from uh, Los Angeles Rams. Right, uh, he's a fast guy. He's got a whole different speed level. Now you got him. You got Will Fuller. You got Kenny Stills. You got a Fast receiving core, man. That is fast. That's light speed fast. As I put it before, that is light speed rescue fast. Now Deshaun Watson's a Power Ranger. You're kicking butt. He's they're gonna get a Megazord in there soon. They already did. They paid him. His called his name is Laramie Tunsil. Yeah, they got all the power in the world. So it while. Bill O'Brien seems like a little bit of a weirdo here. And, yes, you know, uh, Brandon Cooks has had some concussion issues. Uh, you do worry about that. The contract is still substantially less, and it's a lot less when you consider that DeAndre Hopkins wanted an extension that would have paid him somewhere in the realm of 18 to $20 million, right? And you had him under contract, and there's some argument that, hey, you know what, well, you have him under contract anyway at $14 million. You know, even if you wanted a new contract, you you have the you have the power here, right? You have the ability to find him or, or do what you want with him. He doesn't he doesn't have the ability to hold out. So I get that. But if you're sitting there saying, listen, either way, we're gonna probably have to in, in the next year or two sign him to an extension and we're getting they feel like they were getting value. I don't think this is enough value. I will say this. I do think Bill O'Brien's bad at getting value out of trades. It feels like the one part of his deals that really fall through. He traded a conditional fourth to third rounder uh, last year for Duke Johnson, a guy who probably would not have gotten gone for a third rounder for anybody else uh, last year. Uh, you know, he traded away two first round picks and a second round pick for Laramie Tunsil. I mean, I'm sure Deshaun Watson's happy about Laramie Tunsil, but that's a lot to spend on a tackle, especially when you look at this year's draft where people were drafting tackles left and right. Nonetheless, right, so let's look into their draft. I, I actually thought, you know, the, the maneuver was good. We'll talk a little bit more about those trades and the effect on the team. No longer having Hopkins. Now you got uh, David Johnson and Brandon Cooks. But let's talk about the draft, right? That's what we're here for. We're here for some draft talk. And they didn't have a first-round pick because, you know, that was about, uh, I would say, like 40% or 45% Laramie Tunsil, right? 
So, because uh, they had it was two first rounders and a second rounder. That's about that. <laughs> that's a that's a lot of draft capital for one player. So this year it was the first rounder they had to pay up on. Uh, so they had a second round pick, uh, uh, pick forty, the Arizona Cardinals original pick, and they took Ross Blacklock at a TCU. Uh, they they made a big deal that he came in to visit. They got a shot to be. They got him in front of the full coaching staff. That he was really impressive. I think there was something to Bill O'Brien's mindset. I heard this before when he drafted Deshaun Watson, where he got to be in a room with Deshaun Watson. He really got to know the guy, and he. Like there was a different, I, I think the uh, Brock Osweiler thing, where he only spent five minutes on the phone with him or in a room with him, kind of left him scarred. So he went from Brock Osweiler, which kind of screwed him over. It was maybe one of the worst years of his career, to you know Deshaun Watson, who, you know, if you look at that whole draft process and how it turned out for them, became a real star for them. So. I think Bill O'Brien really does prefer getting to know these guys before they are on his team. It makes sense. It's a it's a very appreciative idea, uh, you know. And he he probably would make a big deal of not getting to know somebody only through Zoom and phone calls. Ross Blacklock's a good player, uh, decent defensive lineman. Not the biggest D lineman, but he's going to get a little bit of push up the middle. Uh, probably not going to be replacing the nose tackle that they, nose tackle that they lost in DJ Reader, who left in free agency. Um, probably going to be on the other side by uh, not next to JJ Watt, but kind of the three tech role. But it's not really the three tech role. Sometimes those guys line up uh, in different spots. Uh, again, uh, they needed to add pieces that D line. They needed somebody opposite of JJ Watt. They uh, and they lost pieces. They need to kind of keep on, you know, filling out that roster. And I honestly think that Black, uh, Blackhawk was a decent pick. Uh, very athletic guy. Kind of a little bit lighter, though, like only about 289. So he's not, you know, you're not expecting him to play nose or anything like that. Uh, they also took Jonathan Gennard from Florida, studied him a lot. Uh, you know, they said he brings toughness and uh, football intelligence. He's going to get to work. This is another guy they spent time with. Uh, they made a big deal about him uh, spending time with them. Uh, you know, he was he one year at Florida in that program. He was able to get a, a big part of that experience was his journey as well. Uh, they see him. Bill O'Brien said he saw him playing more as core as a lo outside linebacker, but could also play five technique, which is uh, like right over the tackle shoulder. So a defense, like basically JJ Watts role, DN kind of deal. Um, and, and sub packages, you can kind of move them all over the front depending on if you're playing an odd or an even. So their their day two picks were okay. There was a little bit of rumors that there was some uh, frustration with the Grenard pick because they were supposedly trying to trade with the Lions and just didn't go through. Uh, either way, those two guys, you know, you could see what they're working on. They're working on building up the defense. Uh, not, I feel like Blacklock's a little bit of a needle mover. I don't feel like Grenard is a big needle mover. I think there were other guys there I would have had. But decent enough uh you know you take your shots in the draft you're now you know in the third round because you don't have a first round pick and it felt like it was a little bit of a reach if you will uh fourth round they took charlie heck out of unc uh his dad's a coach they mentioned that they they liked him they targeted him for that spot you know they're they're attacking the offensive line uh they think he'll play tackle for them actually which i was a little bit shocked by because again like certain people have guys at different spots even if they played tackle in college, they aren't always playing tackle in the NFL, but he's going to probably play a swing tackle role for them initially. Uh, then they, the fourth round, they had two fourth round picks. They went ahead and drafted John Reed out of Penn State, right? Uh, they said he could play both outside and in the slot. Good quickness, good toughness. Known for uh, known for him, Penn State. He was a sophomore, came into their. I would. Um, I mean, Bill O'Brien knows him like he met him before. Um, uh, he got to meet him when he was at Penn State. He was a sophomore, came to the camp. Uh, he's a smart guy, comes from a great family. Uh, so they were very intrigued by him. They like this guy. They you know they need to add to their cornerback core. We're going to talk about it later. They got Gary and Conley there, who they did not pick up his fifth-year option. They got uh, – I think they re-signed uh, Javon Har uh, Hargraves – not Javon Hargraves, uh, Vernon Hargraves, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer who was a first-round pick, and they cut him, so they didn't have to pay him the whole contract on that and then re-sign him to a cheaper deal. So their cornerback core is very light. 
Uh, the the biggest pieces on there, Gary and Conley and Roby and Vernon Hargraves. So you're you're looking to get some real play out of these mid round picks. So again, if Roby gets injured or you want to move on from Roby, even though you just extended him for a three year deal, uh, it gives you an opportunity to fill out that core. Like I said, he could also play outside. Yeah, you're not really totally sold on Hargrave or Conley apparently. So again, com- make some competition for the cornerback spot on your roster. This is a good move. I like what they did here. Uh, and, and Penn State guys typically are very uh, athletically inclined. And uh, you know, uh, Bill O'Brien has a very, uh, very good familiarity with Penn State, formerly being a coach there. Uh, round five, they took Isaiah Coulter out of Rhode Island. Um, and that was actually really the extent of their draft. Uh, you know, they feel good about the defense. They have DBs that are versatile. Um, they didn't get a, a real guard there. They they feel good about their offensive line and their depth there. Uh, it, it was very uninspiring of a draft um, because they don't have picks. Like, this is what happens. You trade away all your picks. I really can't talk about too much of your offense. I can't really talk too much about the guys you drafted because you didn't have a first-round pick, right? You didn't have the star player. You got one guy who's relatively pretty good, but none of these guys, I think, are true impact guys. Unless you have guys that fall for particular reasons, like injury or red flags, then or you trade up or you get something for a player. You trade like there's there they don't they did not get that this year. I'm sorry, but the Texans draft was kind of very unflavorful if you will and listen it was unflavorful but then you look at what's going on with the rest of this team right so let's talk about some of the other offseason moves right they released to sean gibson who is the safety um they declined gary and conley's fifth year option but he's still going to be there this year they extended laramie tunsil three years 66 million dollar deal holy bananas wow you paid a lot Right, considering, like, let me put it this way: I, I'm a, a Browns fan. We signed uh, Jack Conklin to a three-year deal, and his three-year deal was three years, and it was fourteen million dollars a year. You're paying eight million dollars more for Laramie Tunsil, everybody. That is a lot. Um, I'm not quite sure it's that much of a differential between those two. It's a, there's a differential. Don't get me wrong. Plus the sides that they play, but still, that's a really big amount. Uh. They trade away DeAndre Hopkins, like I said before. They traded for Brandon Cooks and David Johnson. They signed the one big signing, or the two big signings they had. They signed Timmy Jernigan, formerly of the Eagles. They didn't really have any real big signings. They lost uh, 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 DJ Reader. Now they get Timmy Jernigan in. He's going to com- you know play uh, somewhere on that defensive line, maybe play nose. You know, bigger dude. Uh, he and he's used to being. You know, I know when he was playing for the Eagles, he was playing in a four-three. This is a little bit different of a situation, but they play multiple fronts down in a uh, for the Texans. They also signed safety Eric Murray, formerly of the Browns, and I believe also the Chiefs, uh, which is weird because he hasn't played almost in two years. Like he did not play at all last year. He was like basically uh, he was a safety that they traded Emmanuel Ogba for and. Did not play at all. So I'm a little shocked that uh, Eric Murray was uh, signed to a three-year, $20 million deal. But I'm guessing a lot of that's not guaranteed. Still, that's a lot of money to to sign a a safety who barely played in the last year. Uh, But, hey, you know what? You lose some. You live some. Like I said before, they extended uh, uh, Bradley Roby. Lamar Miller's out. Jonathan Joseph's out. Uh, Carlos Hyde is out. They did re-sign Darren Fells, the tight end, uh, who uh, Deshaun Watson showed very good rapport with. And I, like I said before, uh, you know, if you're giving Deshaun Watson all the weapons in the world, this is like one of those things you build on your strength. Your strength here is offense. Okay, we're going to throw pieces around at a corner. We're going to throw pieces around at pass rush. And we're going to try and like just build around a couple of core guys on defense, Whitney Merciless, J.J. Watt. And uh, and when and uh, guys who we've drafted and hopefully will develop, and then on offense, you know, you look at what they got on offense. It's a, a quite an impressive offense, right? You got Deshaun Watson, right? You have Brandon Cooks. You got Wolf Fuller. You got uh, uh, what's his name? Kenny Stills, Kiki QT. He was coming on last year. They signed Randall Cobb in free agency. Um, you know, they still have Darren Fells. I heard a lot of talk. It was funny. There was the other day. Uh, 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 Big draft analyst uh, John Ledger had put up a post about like guys who you think are above average players on your roster, and somebody had commented about uh, posted a thing about the Texans, and then there was a big discussion about Jordan Ankins and who of these guys in this roster are above average. 
Um, Aikens is okay. He's not. I I would consider him a league average player. Uh, yeah, good run after catch ability. They seem to be getting a little bit of production out of him, but I would not, from my current standing, say that he's this super plus player because it just it has not happened yet. Uh, you might see a high uplook for the guy. I think Darren Fells is literally the league definition of average tight end, which is good because you can get usage out of a league average tight end. There's not a lot of those out there, believe it or not. They're kind of it's a strange thing to say he's the average of a tight end, but uh, um, their offensive line is strange, right? They feel pretty good about Zach Fulton, their right guard, which I thought was a little shocking because you know, like I like Laramie Tunsil, but the rest of this offensive line's a little questionable. Uh, they got Max Sharping, uh, they got Titus Howard, who they're hoping to play right tackle or guard still. Uh, Sharping's another guy who they drafted to play on the offensive line a year ago. Nick Martin's been the only other guy outside of Tunsil that I've kind of liked on the field. Uh, and, uh, you know, his brother, Zach Martin, from the Cowboys. So family blood, interior offensive line. Uh, again, the, the offense has a lot of good pieces to it, right? Uh, you know, they got A.J. McCarron playing backup. Yippee-ki-yay. Uh, David Johnson and Duke Johnson, the DJ brothers, right? Two DJs walk into a room and they're gonna play. They're gonna blow it off the the lid. Everybody, they're gonna they're gonna bring down the house. Uh, and both of them have very similar uh, ability. You know, David Johnson's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, a lot fa uh, used to be fast. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, injuries, if you will. Uh, I don't think he really fit what uh, Arizona wanted to do. But there was definitely injury concern, and there was definitely. Uh, a few games last year where it looked like he was running in slow motion, which was not the case, though, because everybody else was running at correct speeds. So maybe he was just not doing well. Like, maybe he had got re-injured. And, you know, now you were hoping that he's going to take the step forward, right? He's going to go ahead and be back. Now, I, I am very intrigued with a roster that has Duke Johnson and David Johnson because both these guys are pretty good receivers out of the backfield. And you can utilize two running back sets, kind of split everybody out. I really like the concept of that. I have no idea if Bill O'Brien's doing that, everybody. But I would love that idea. Like, you could have them both in the backfield, do a two running back set. You could have one lineup in the slot, have one move in motion. You would have such a fun little, like, gadgety kind of offense. I love building around those two kind of players. We just don't know if that's really in what Bill O'Brien's planning or if it's just like, ah, eh, you know what, we have these two guys and we're going to just run our offense. But, you know, I, I do think the speed on this offense is definitely something to talk about. If Will Fuller's healthy, which never seems to be the case, um, you got a lot of speed there. Brandon Cooks is a very fast guy. You could throw it to him five yards away from the line of scrimmage and he can take it to the house. And then he's also a deep field threat. Very good at tracking the ball. He is a... Again, if he's healthy, and he's relatively been very good at staying healthy, he's only missed a couple of games over the few years. Like Even though he's had multiple injuries stack up, I think the worry is he's had multiple injuries stack up. He's had multiple concussions. So you get a concussion this year, how long is it going to keep you out? Kenny Stills, another deep field uh, stretcher, uh, speed threat. And then Kiki QT is kind of more of the slot kind of guy. Uh, run after catch, dude. And that's kind of the same thing with Randall Cobb. They got a lot of similar guys on this roster. Uh, it's usually two, It's here it's two flavors at least. Like there's, you know, there's some teams that they only went for like one flavor of uh, receiver. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's not good. Depends on the flavor. Here the flavors are two, like two or three good run after the catch guys and a bunch of really fast dudes. And I kind of like that mixture. That's kind of what you should be looking for in your roster building. It's decent construction. You know, knock all you want on uh, Billy O'Brien and uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show here. I just don't I don't think I hate the construction here. I think he's got a, a, an idea, a vision of what he wants to do. The problem is, if it all falls apart, wow, is it going to look ugly. And it's going to look ugly on his face, and it's going to hurt that whole franchise. Because, again, you don't have a lot of assets. Um, and I think the way it gets really ugly is we've seen Deshaun Watson knock on wood, get hurt. Hopefully that does not happen again, but he takes a lot of hits. He gets hit by the blitz a lot. This is a guy's in, you know, he's been hit a lot. Even when he's had good pass pro, he's gotten hit a lot. He holds the ball, he holds it long, and now he doesn't have his go-to target in DeAndre Hopkins. 
That's my issue with the trade, right, with DeAndre Hopkins getting traded, is you no longer have that guy who is your go-to receiver, who you target when you are in your deepest, dire straits. And that was the kind of guy that Deshaun Watson's been known to throw to. In college, he had Mike Williams, another big guy, throw the ball up to him, 50-50 ball, perfect for it. He had two of those guys. Most most quarterbacks do not get two of those really good 50-50 deep ball, you know, con- contested catch uh, receivers. He had two. Now he's got a different type of receiving core. Nobody who's truly a big red zone threat. I think that's kind of a little bit of worry. The big red zone threat here is Darren Fells, Jordan Akins, the tight ends. So I, I think this is going to be an intriguing uh, offense. I really can't wait to see it. I don't know, you know, again, and we all know if, if basically if they don't have Deshaun Watson, they're screwed. Let's move to the defense, right? They got, uh, they lost DJ Reader. They, uh, they managed to get Timmy Jernigan. They have t- uh, Charles Amenahue, who's going to be probably playing like right, uh, defensive end. Uh, he's going to probably play end for them. Uh, I, I actually kind of like Amenahue. I liked him last year. He kind of showed a little bit. He came out of the draft, I think, two years ago. Um, showed pretty good as a pass rusher. I kinda, I really like the player. J.J. Watt, you know, uh, again, another guy who's been there a long time, star player, and just seems kind of unblockable. Uh, I, they might have a nose tackle on the roster in Brandon Dunn. I don't really have much information on him as far as how much I've watched of him just because, you know, guys cycle out when you have really good guys so they might feel really good about Robert Dunn and Omenahue and Blacklock and uh, you know like they and they signed Jernigan for uh, like a relatively cheap deal as well so all these pieces they might say you know what we feel okay with this right we can walk in on game day and make these six guys turn into something they saw Whitney Merciless that's kind of like their star move piece as far as pass rusher goes like they have uh, Watt on the D-line and as long as they have him and Merciless, they have something going for him. They got Zach Cunningham, like, kind of hammering the middle of uh, of everything. Uh, they got Bernardrick McKinney as well at def- uh, as a linebacker. Uh, Brandon Scarlett, who's going to be, uh, again, another little, like, their, uh, their corner room's going to be a little bit meh, right? Cor- uh, Brandon Scarlett, uh, Gary Conley, Bradley Roby, Vernon Hargraves. Lonnie Johnson, right? That's a guy I'm more intrigued by. He came on a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit last year. You're hoping he's going to develop into something. Uh, Justin Reed's another guy who I'm very high on. Uh, I remember when he came out of the draft, he's been very good for them at free safety. So I I like Justin Reed. Lonnie Johnson Jr., uh, you know, you're hoping now in his second year he's developed a little bit. And he's going to compete for a spot as far as that corner. You really do hope he's developed to the point where he can be one of those spots at corner. Uh, you know, you're hoping he's going to replace Gary and Conley or Vernon Hargraves, who are guys who really just haven't been able to stick to where they, they should be. Um, outside of the, that, though, like, again, I like how they're attacking it. Like, there's actually a vision to this, right? They're saying, we have an idea what we want to do. We want to go need for speed, most wanted. Um, Lightspeed Rescue, Deshaun Watson, you're going to be the Red Ranger, go. And you're going to have all your guys with you. And on defense, we are going to try to make the basically a big house of scary of what we have and throw you know the mummies out of the closet and meatloaf and whoever we can up the middle. So but that's, a lot of, uh, that's a lot of word salad and mixed jargon there. Basically what I'm saying is, Offense, we feel like we are okay with. Like we, I feel like if I had to walk in, I could. I, I think a lot of uh, good OCs could probably design a good, ro- uh, good offense with this offense, uh, with this offensive roster. Defensively, I'm a little bit more worried, but there's a lot of cool, interesting pieces there. So let's move on, right? Uh, you know, there because they last little thought on the their team. They're going into 2020. They're playing in the uh, AFC South. Uh, they got the Titans and the Colts to compete with, but it's still a very weird, wishy-washy division. You don't really feel like there's any particular dominant team because everybody's kind of got their warts. And then again, the Jaguars are basically out to lunch trying to tank for Trevor Lawrence. So I feel like, again, they got a shot to make it to the playoffs this year. They have a shot to win against anybody because they, they find ways of, you know, again, Billy O'Brien's made it to the playoffs multiple years before he even had Deshaun Watson. He's constantly had a winning record. So, listen, I think this is a good 
Uh, I think it's actually a relatively good team. I just don't think they're getting better. The problem is you're either getting better or you're kind of or you're getting worse. And I don't think they got better, better. So they are getting worse. So it might not be this year. They might make it to the playoffs this year. But I think in the long run, that ticket's gonna hit you in the behind. Let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings. Who man on the Minnesota Vikings? All right. So let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings. They uh, they had an intriguing offseason themselves. A um, lot of players picked in this draft. Holy bananas. Good thing I, uh, I found a way to talk 25 minutes about the Texans. I probably was better off not doing that because I got a lot to talk about with the Minnesota Vikings. So let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings. All right. They uh, off the bat, they trade Stephon Diggs. They, he seemed to not be long for that roster this year. Um, he did not care much for it. They lost Kevin Stefanski. They uh, they got rid of their D coordinator. They've had they rose two guys to the ranks. One of them Zimmer's son. That's not really you know here nor there. Uh, but they have two I think guys co D coordinating. Uh, they also you know offensively now they have Gary Kubiak running things right the great Gary Kubiak Super Bowl winning head coach now offensive coordinator because basically he's just like I, my heart can't take it no more I can't be a head coach but I love to I love to coordinate mother I love to coordinate let's coordinate some stuff and he just does it he does it really well he's got a son there he's the QB coach so they're gonna father-son tandem work at it and uh, it's gonna be that Shanahan outside zone system right and it was the same thing Stefanski was running. Stefanski was the guy who got Kubiak to come in as an offensive advisor last year. So uh, now, you know, they're going to stay focused to keeping that offense there. Uh, so they got rid of Stephon Diggs. They got an extra first rounder, an extra fourth rounder, an extra fifth rounder out of that trade, right? Uh, they had two first round picks, that means. First first round pick. They take Justin Jefferson at LSU, right? This is a guy who a lot of people were talking very high on going into the draft. Some people thought he would go much higher. I thought he kind of went appropriately where he should. Um, I actually might have taken a totally different receiver at that spot, but it depends on what fits your scheme. My problem is when I watched his tape, he pretty much is the exact same as a receiver also on his on their roster named Adam Thielen. That's not bad, right? That's a kind of a good comp to have. Adam Thielen's a good comp. The problem is, is when you have two Adam Thielen's and nobody different, no different flavor there, teams can figure out how to kind of stop you, right? When you have two guys who, who have very similar style. Now, maybe you might say, well, I don't know. Th those two style, and maybe it's a style that works very well. Like, for instance, you have five guys who run really fast downfield. That's a style you kind of like. Uh, Thielen and Jefferson uh, are both very good route runners, very, like, quick, sharp route runners, right? I, there's even flavor. There's different styles to even route running that people have to kind of uh, adjust to. And Thielen and uh, Justin Jefferson are the, like, quick, jukey, kind of Edelman-y, uh, you know, kind of almost kind of look like they're just making a 90-degree cut every time they do it. Uh, very good lateral movement and very good change of direction. And they sell their routes really well, and they they, they just it, it looks beautiful. Like you even see it, and it looks oh, wow. He just went like eighty. He just went on a ninety degree angle that way. What the hell happened? And uh, it's a there's some guys who route run like that. That's great. Uh, it's not how Diggs route runs. Uh, Diggs is a little bit more of a subtle route runner. Um, very smooth kind of uh, kind of gliding route running is kind of how I would call it. I, it's I, the only way I could really describe the way Dig route uh, Diggs route runs because you. Uh, and this is why, like the, again, it's, you have to kind of get used to the flavors of receiver, especially as you talk about things like route running and the ability, you know, and their catch. Like, there's just different ways that guys win. Uh, both these guys win very much the same. Uh, also, Thielen generally has been the the inside receiver there, the slot receiver. Although he kind of got a start there right, on the outside, uh, and then he got kicked in, and Diggs got pushed to the outside. So. I think Thielen will be back on the outside. Both guys can play, you know, again, like, you you can move guys around anyway, right? As long as you're, you know, he, but typically both these guys are either slot or flanker kind of receivers. They're not usually a split end. Um, you usually want the one guy who can beat guys off the line of scrimmage 
especially having more ways to go. And you could still get press at the line of scrimmage if you're at a flanker, or even if you're in the slot, you can technically get press. You just have more ability to get off. You have a little bit more space to work. Um, both these guys, like I said before, very similar. Justin Jefferson's kind of a go-up-and-get-it kind of guy. Um, like I said, very good route running, but he was not good on the outside in college, right? That's why they stuck him in the slot all the time. It wasn't just because Jamar Chase was the most amazing guy ever. They've played him at outside receiver before in college at LSU, and he did not have a lot of success doing that. Now, it doesn't mean he can't get better at it, but it is one of the big question marks with him. I think he's still a good receiver. One of the things I did like about him, he has great hands. Again, a lot like Adam Thielen, great hands, and actually a little bit more vertical ability than Adam Thielen, right? So he might be a little bit better at uh, the going up and get it, going above a defensive back, uh, the contested catch portion of the uh, of the cinematic experience of being a football player, of being a receiver. So I I like Justin Jefferson. I think this was right. I, I spent a lot of time talking about Justin Jefferson, for, and I didn't even talk about what they think about him. Uh, uh, you know, they liked him because he, he played an NFL style, in all, a style of offense coming out of LSU. That's a, like a high-caliber winning team. Now, to me, I always kind of put this in, was he the driver of the team or was he the passenger? And I felt like he was more of a passenger on that team. Like he was a part of it, but he was definitely not the, like, he was not the truck. He was not driving it forward. He was a part of it. He was a piece. Not necessarily the uh, the reason, but part of it. Kind of a weird thing to say, right? Um, you know, Rick Spielman mentioned how quick he was, precise route runner, uh, fits the scheme. Uh, you know, Kubiak really liked him, and uh, uh, you know, he could play deep out of the slot, which is kind of an intriguing thing. Like, you know, there's usually a couple of different ways that you have a uh, utilization of your slot receivers. Uh, you know, you can have him run, a, I guess, a crossing route. You can have him run a deep pose. Like, you can have him run different. And they said, listen, this guy can run the whole route tree out of the slot, which is fine. Like, th that does happen. Um, I, I think there's where you line a guy up, though, you kind of want. I, again, I think this is what they were looking for. He was good. They had him pretty high on their board. They feel like he's very versatile. He could play all the positions. I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. But, again, I think he's a good player. I think he is good. I think you can do a lot with him. I'm just a little bit more skeptical about his full ability in the NFL, and I will be proven wrong next year, I bet. Regardless, let's move on from him. I think I just spent, I think I spent five minutes talking about Justin Jefferson alone. Let's move on to Jeff Gladney, right? They were, they're both very happy they got Jeff Gladney, both Zimmer and uh, Rick Spielman. You know, they needed a corner. They lost a bunch of guys in free agency. Mackenzie Alexander left. Trey Wayne's left. They cut Xavier Rhodes. And if you're wondering why they cut Xavier Rhodes, well, you must have not watched how Xavier Rhodes played last year. Um, so they, they actually had a lot of holes on their roster. They got rid of a lot of guys. I didn't even talk about this as we came into this. I was going to wait till later. But they got rid of Xavier Rhodes. They cut Linval Joseph. They lost Mackenzie Alexander. They lost Trey Wayne's. They also lost uh, Everson Griffin. He opted out of his contract because he had a special clause in there. Uh, it, it was the Santa Claus. His wife actually uh, required him to come back to the North Pole. So, uh, yeah, so Zimmer uh, really likes Jeff Gladney. This is a guy who's, you know, they have, Hol they have Holton Hill on the roster. And they have Mike Hughes and then a couple of other guys who are not as big names or have, have gotten a lot of playing time. They, they feel really good at the two guys they already have on, but they definitely need to fill out the roster. So what do they do? Pick 31 after they've traded back a little bit. They took Jeff Gladney out of TCU. He's not really tall. He's about, like, 5'10", but he's long, he's strong, he's tough. You know, Zimmer and Spielman are like, yo, this guy's got an edge to him. He played in a complex defense. He's a smart player. You know, you're going to like playing. You know, uh, they, they talked to his coaches, Gary Patterson. Uh, you know, he did have some issues where they said he was sometimes a little too competitive. He kind of got into a fight with Mims at Baylor. Um, and, and in fact, uh, Spielman mentioned that he even went to that game and watched that game where he was going up against, uh, Mims, a much bigger receiver and Gladney was just giving him the business. And apparently it ended up in a little bit of an altercation, if you will. Uh, again, unique kind of arm length and wingspan. Uh, and he's very good, very good athlete. Uh, they really like what they can get out of him. He could play inside. He could play outside. Uh, I think this is a, it was a perfect pick for them. This is what they needed. You probably could have uh, mock-drafted it yourself, and you would have picked Jeff Gladney for them every dang time because he kind of fit what they were looking for. 
And uh, like I said, if you saw their roster, you went, they were definitely going corner into this draft, and they went corner going into this draft. Round two comes along, right? Now they've taken uh, wide receiver and they've taken corner. What else would you expect the Minnesota Vikings to take? Offensive line, clearly, right? And they take Ezra Cleveland, right? Not out of Cleveland, out of Boise State. And, uh, you know, he fits the athletic profile, what they want to get. I watched his tape. He is a very good athlete. Um, he does need to kind of bulk up a little bit, kind of get used to get a little bit more core strength, if you will. Uh, a very good movement guy. Uh, I, I feel like uh, there were other guys I, 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 I wasn't as high on him as some people were coming into the draft, but, uh, you know, where they took him at the end of the second round, this was a very good spot to get him. Uh, you know, they did this before. This is the other thing. When you see them do it before, uh, they did this with Brian O'Neill, who came out of the draft a year or two ago and has now developed into being their right tackle. So now they're going like, listen, we did this before with Brian O'Neill. Let's do this with uh, Ezra Cleveland. If we have these two guys, both who fit very much what uh, Gary Kubiak likes to do, this, you know, very big movement style offense, you know, a lot of outside wide zone. These guys are good in space. Get them moving. Get them blocking. He's not as he's not a very powerful run blocker though, so you're gonna have to get him again to play a little bit more strong, get a little bit more core strength to him. Uh, they, you know, and I think their idea is listen, we're gonna let this guy develop here. Uh, we do have guys on the roster, so we, you know, but the idea is this guy can be the future of our left tackle position. So, uh, you know, he's good in space. He's a clean kid. Clean kid. Good health. Good character. Fits the scheme a lot. So I, I, I like the pick. Again, they did this before Brian O'Neill. Now you got Ezra Cleveland. Hopefully those guys will be your bookends. And Brian O'Neill's turned out really well. Now they no longer have Tony Sperano, who I, I might actually maybe he wasn't there when they drafted Brian O'Neill. So I don't know. Uh, round three, right? Uh, Cam Dantzler, Mississippi State. Uh, 6'2", 190, big dude. Uh, big frame. The whole reason why he fell this far was because his uh, combine did not did not was not very pretty. It was not a very good combine. But uh, you know, he's for a really tall guy. They said he can transition well, can drop his weight really well, and and he's really good in the run game. Uh, you know, you saw him play LSU, Alabama games. He he rose to the occasion against NFL level caliber uh, receivers. And, uh, you know, Zimmerman was just like, dude, he's a long, tall guy with a unique skill set. We like this kind of player. We needed some depth at our corner position as far as this roster goes. And, again, they get another guy to fill out that roster. Now you get two corners, right? Gladney and Dantzler. And Dantzler was a guy who a lot of people were talking really highly of before his combine profile kind of started looking a little not so great. Um. They also, uh, then you go to round four, right? Now, day three, they had a lot of picks, right? They went from, uh, you know, from day two to day, day three, they had three fourth round picks, two fifth rounders, a few sixth rounders. Like, it, it, it was a lot of picks, everybody. So we're going to try and uh, burn through all of them. Uh, they have, uh, they took Edge DJ Wanham out of South Carolina in round four. That was their first fourth round pick. This was, uh, Andre Peterson's uh, pet cat, they were saying, needed need to get him uh, to reach his highlight reel tape. So this guy was a very big highlight reel guy. Uh, but their, their, their D-line coach stood on the table for him, said he has great length, great athlete, but he's very raw. That was always the problem with him. So they like him. Then they took another edge guy, uh, James Lynch out of Baylor, right? Matt Rule's buddy. Everybody thought Matt Rule was going to take this guy like second, third round. Uh, Lynch was, uh, you know, they, they really liked Lynch after his meetings and the combine and, uh, you know, he's a good, a good attitude. He had 13 and a half sacks last year at Baylor, uh, and it wasn't in an advantageous spot for sacks. Like he was playing in a, a kind of a rough position, kind of got washed out, kind of playing more of a, a three, four end. So he wasn't in the best position to get sacks, but they love him, man. They were, Rick Spielman was like, this guy's a bowling ball of butcher knives, man. He is, he's going to be a headache for other offensive lines. Hopefully not our offensive line, just in practice. Then another, their last fourth-round pick, they took Troy Dye out of Oregon, right? They liked his size. Uh, linebacker, you know, this was uh, Adam Zimmer's pet cat. This is the guy who they kind of, who he kind of dug, right? He's a good special teams player. 
He's going to move into some roles. You know, Adam Zimmer really liked him, so uh, they were going to take him. Uh, his brother, Tony Dye, played in Cincinnati with Zimmer. Um, Rick Spielman said this guy's a, a, like a tall, linear athlete. So Dye is going to be, you know, maybe, you know, you got to realize they have uh, Kendricks. They have, uh, we'll talk about their linebacking core, but they have, uh, you know, Kendricks came on and played really well last year. They also have Barr, who, again, almost left them last year and then came back, said bye-bye to the Jets and said, I'm not doing that deal. I'm going back to the Vikings. So they're not really pushed for linebacker, but it's good to get depth in there. So you look at some of these guys, you go, okay, like, can I get this guy? He can play special teams. That's kind of what they're looking for. Get a little bit better on special teams as well. Uh, round five, they took uh, Harrison Handel Temple. Uh, you know, this guy has the ability to play outside and in nickel. Again, now you're just kind of building up more depth and some competition for that roster spot. So they could fill out their corner room. Uh, they came into this draft, by the way, I think they came into day three with, I think, 60 guys on the roster. That was at, just after day two, they only had 60 guys on the roster. So they went into day three going, like, we need to get a lot of guys. And, uh, you know, just the UDFA market might not be the only way we're going to go ahead and do it. So they took K.J. Osborne out of Miami, Florida. Uh, they said he's very mature, very smart. He's going to compete for a punt return job. They took tackle uh, Blake Brandle. Oregon State. Uh, he's tough, smart, physical, can play tackle or guard. Uh, they took safety Josh Mellis out of Michigan. Started out on special teams right away. Uh, could play both safety spots, but he's more of a box guy. Strong, physical. Um, you know, Rick Spielman said he could maybe be a little bit more interchangeable. Free safety, safety, a strong safety. Uh, seventh round, they took Ken Edge Kenny Willickis. This is, uh, if you were listening to the draft uh, night, my uh, my buddy uh, Kev was raving about this guy. And this is a big, he was a big fan of this pick, uh, Kenny Willickis. So, uh, excellent football player, plays at 1,000 miles an hour, similar to, to Lynch, just rush and get after the passer. So, again, they're, you know, they, were, they have to replace a lot of guys who left in free agency. They were in a weird cap situation, by the way. I'm going to explain that a little bit is that they went into free agency this year like a negative. It was a high negative, too. It was like somewhere where they were over the cap by like $9 million before the start of the league year. So they needed to go ahead and clear out some cap space. Um, they took Nate Stanley out of Iowa. You know, he won a lot of games in the Big Ten, underestimated athlete, good fit in the Kubiak system. Uh, they also took Brian Cole, Mississippi State. Now they're safety. Uh you know, he started out at wide receiver, has great measurables, height, weight, speed guy, um, another interchangeable guy, can play free safety, can play strong safety, has length and good athleticism. And then they took uh, Kyle Hinton out of Washburn, can play tackle, small school guy, you know, 6'2", 300 pounds, guard center, developmental guy, ran a 4.85 as his pro day, one of the few pro days that was still allowed or around. So... It sounds like they had, you know, they had a lot of opportunity here to add players. They made 15 picks, the most that they ever done. I think it was most by any team in a draft. So 15 picks, 15 picks on players, everybody. That is ex that is astounding. Um, just a good note. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but if you were watching the draft uh, broadcast with uh, Mike Zimmer, they had a lot of dead animals there. Apparently, there's like three dead animals on his wall. Um, they talked a little bit about trades up. Rick Spielman was very eager to trade up in some of these scenarios, maybe trade up to go ahead and get uh, Jefferson. In fact, there was a rumor that they were trying to trade up to like 15 or 16 to get Jefferson, so he fell right to them. Uh, you know, the day two presser, you know, they, they mentioned they, they were filling needs, right? They, you know, day, day one and day two, they, they took corner and wide receiver and offensive line, and they were going into day three. They needed to fill out the rest of the roster. Um, by the way, everybody, uh, Mike Zimmer, uh, Zimmer is from Kentucky. Yeah, I don't know. By the way, Mike Zimmer looks like a guy who plays like the, the angry dad on that 70s show. Like he just looks like he plays the angry dad on any, any show that was like a sitcom that he's just like so disappointed in the main character. Uh, and he goes hunting all the time or like the guy from Parks and Rec. Like, he just seems like that kind of character. Um, like, you, you don't want to, like, go home and find out you're dating his daughter because he's got, like, 16 guns and, like, all the dead animals on the wall. But regardless, right? So I mentioned before, they, they traded Stephon Diggs. They tagged Anthony Harris. They cut Xavier Rhodes. 
Linval Joseph, Josh Klein, Xavier uh, Griff, uh, Everson Griffin's out. He opted out. A uh, couple of like smaller deals. They they signed Michael Pierce, formerly of the Ravens, to a three-year, twenty-seven million dollar deal. That was like their biggest deal in free agency. Was the Michael Pierce deal? I like that deal. That's kind of the thing that's like, hey, we miss out. We don't have a lot of pieces left. We need to get somebody next to Daniel Hunter because it's just Daniel Hunter now. So let's get Pierce in there. Um, Griffin's not in here anymore. Maybe they can reunite with him down the line. Uh, they extended Kirk Cousins and Dan Bailey, so your kicker and your quarterback, and that's who you extended. And then they signed a couple of cheaper guys, like Anthony Zettel, Tajay Sharp, guys who've traveled around the league, have had time on different rosters. Um, this team is, is intriguing. I think it's a team ripened for a step back because it's going to be a lot of young pieces on the roster this year. A lot of guys trying to get up to speed, plus you have, you know, virtual OTAs at this point, nothing nothing on the field, so they're not really getting a chance to really get a lot of on-the-job coaching, and it doesn't feel like a, a team that's really adapting to the virtual reality version of, you know, the NFL very quickly. But again, like, once you get into training camp and get into practices, everything will catch up to speed. But again, a lot of new pieces on the roster, right? You look at the roster. They got Kirk Cousins at quarterback. They got Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison at running back. And even Amir Abdullah and Mike Boone there on the roster as well. The receiver room is Justin Jefferson, Tajay Sharp, Adam Thielen. A lot of guys who all feel like very similar styles of player. Ola B.C. Johnson's there. He kind of came on a little bit last year. Um, but there's really not else there as far as the receiver room that makes you feel very comfortable with it. Uh, tight end, they got a couple of good tight ends, right? They got Kyle Rudolph, they got Irv Smith Sr., a junior. He's, he's too young to be a senior, sorry. Um, yeah, Irv Smith Jr., those, both those guys played really well last year. I think they're going to be running a lot of two tight end sets. Um, offensive line, they got Riley Reef, Pat Elfline, uh, Garrett Bradbury, Dakota Dozer, Brian O'Neill, Drew Samia. Drew Samia, I think, is going to step up this year. I think, uh, you know, they drafted him last year. I think he's going to find a role in that offensive line. Um, Garrett Bradbury played pretty well in the run game, but was not that great in uh, pass pro. Elflines had some issues as well as far as his development. Reef, I think this is one of the last years that they have Reef, um, but he's played okay. He's been about, he's been basically league average left tackle. And then Brian O'Neill's come on really well for them. So overall, this offense, you know, they're going to probably be similar as to what they were last year, except they no longer have digs. So you no longer have the guy who you're really truly afraid of who has just, like, that ability to go up and get the ball. I, again, I think, you know, there's some argument that Justin Jefferson can be the replacement for Diggs. I'm not saying he's totally not Diggs. Um, he has to develop a little bit certain skills that would make him viable in that department. Because, again, he has some of the vertical ability of Diggs. So I wouldn't say he, like, he has the ability to go up and get the ball. He can run a variety of routes. He's not the same kind of route runner as Diggs. He's, again, like I said, very similar to Thielen, actually. And much better off in the slot. Um, and, and Thielen is much better off as a flanker or slot himself. So, offensively, I'm a little worried. Uh, I'm not worried because, you know, you got you still got Gary Kubiak there. Uh, you still have a decent quarterback. You still were able to make a lot of things happen last year. I, I you know, I, whereas last year I feel like they were doing really well, though. I think they punched up way more than you were expecting, and I think it's going to be come back down to earth time for them. They couldn't beat the Bears either time they played the Bears. It was a, yeah. I think it's going to be a very big question mark going into this year. Uh, looking at their defense, right? They got Danelle Hunter, Michael Pierce, Shamar Stephan. Uh, those are the guys that are coming back that uh, we know are good to some level. It's got a Fetty Odenigobo. Uh, Anthony Zettel, Eddie Yarbo, guys who are kind of like, all right, well, you guys gonna have to show up for that fourth spot as far as defensive line goes. Uh, you know, they drafted Willickis and Lynch, and uh, they still have Hercules Matafa. Maybe he develops into something. Uh, linebacking core, they got Eric Wilson, Eric Kendricks, the Eric brothers, um, Anthony Barr, Eric Wilson, more Eric's man, uh, Cam Smith. Uh, Ben Godson, they they have and they drafted Troy Die, so linebacking core not really worried because again you're playing mostly nickel in the NFL, but they tend to play a lot of base as well. Uh, 
Kendricks and and Barr are pretty decent for that. Although you you know we've seen how that can blow up in your face if they keep them on the field. Uh, the Rams exposed them when they did that before. They uh, safety room. They probably have the best safeties in the NFL, right? They got Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. Those two guys. You got Anthony Harrison Smith, the, the the Super Saiyan combo when they do the the fusion dance. So safety room's really good. They got an intriguing, uh, you know, hopefully going to take a step forward uh, cornerback room with Holton Hill, Mike Hughes, Jeff Gladney, Chris Boyd. But especially with Dantzler and uh, and Gladney, you know, they're coming in the NFL. They're rookies. Like, you can't expect them to be really good right away, especially with this this truncated offseason. You know, you got Mike Hughes. Okay, he's played pretty well, but Hughes, uh, Hughes has to stay healthy and Holton Hill can't get suspended again. So... Overall, there's a lot of opportunity for this roster to take a step back, right? Maybe won't make a playoff this year, or playoff run this year. Uh, they can totally do it. I just think there's a lot of factors in there that make me go, did this roster get better than it was a year ago? Not really. Like I think again, when we were saying before with the Texans, now the difference is they have a lot of opportunity to be better, right? They have the opportunity because they took a lot of pieces in the draft that you go, all right. They might not be better year one, but two years down the line, they might be better. Like, it, it might take some developmental time. Uh, especially when you look at the guys who they're playing. You know, when you're playing in that uh, division, you got the Lions, who are basically like, we're in red zone now, right? We're basically, you know, dead in the water. We do not perform this year. Uh, you know, the Green Bay Packers, who, you know, went 13-3 and last year, and we're just blowing up uh, the field. Now, granted, the Green Bay Packers have their own question marks, and we will talk about that. Um, that's the last NFC North team, by the way, is the Green Bay Packers. And boy, is that going to be a fun one, isn't it? Uh, and then the Chicago Bears defense blew them out of the water both times. So, uh, yes, could they beat the Chicago Bears defense? Absolutely. And again, the Chicago Bears offense has not been all that showing up lately. So, they have a lot of potential to go ahead and be very good. It's I don't feel confident with the offensive line. I don't feel confident with the cornerback core. I don't feel confident with the wide receiver core. So there's not a lot to feel confident about, which would make me go, this is a playoff caliber team this year. I think it is a playoff caliber team next year because I think that they they have pieces there. You know, you get everybody developed and ready to go. Um, depends on where they play Ezra Cleveland on that roster as well. Maybe they start him out of guard, which I, I'm not quite sure if he really fits that guard, but maybe they try to do that. Um, but again, I think this is a roster that is in a little bit of a uh, transition period. I think next year they will be full on go, but this year I would be at least slightly worried. So again, that was the Minnesota Vikings, and then we talked about the Texans, and uh, if you want, you can follow the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of life. Punch like that delicious drink you drink in the summer. And please, leave a review. Rate five stars. Uh, say what your favorite part of this podcast was, what your favorite team was. And uh, again, uh, you know, like, follow, subscribe, uh, leave a comment in the comment section if you're watching this on the YouTube. If you're watching it on the YouTube, go to the, the iTunes and subscribe. If you're listening to this on the iTunes, go to the uh, YouTube and subscribe, right? Y'all can, you know, cross-pollinate everything. Um, you know, like I said before, follow it on Twitter, follow it on Instagram, follow it in your heart, and good night. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about to pass, I'm about to